Miami fans are starting to get restless. Is it going to happen by the end of this week? Is it going to happen in the next couple days when we finally figure out who the next offensive coordinator is going to be at the U? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host of a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So um, I bring up the OC timeline here for a couple of reasons. I'm going to bring in our special guest in this episode in a moment. Uh, I don't know if anything's going to get done today. It's Thursday now or tomorrow, Friday. Uh, and, you know, I talk about people getting restless, which is happening. It's only been six days. Like the job has only been open for six days, but it feels like it's been open for a month. But, you know, you remember Mario Cristobal, that conversation that he had with Luke Moga the quarterback recruit who was in last week and, and Moga actually shared maybe too much about his conversation with Mario and said that, you know, he was told that they should have their offensive coordinator situation wrapped up in about a week. And today or tomorrow would be a week from when they had that conversation. That's one thing. Um, and then, you know, uh, another thing guys is I, I think we would like to see this done as quickly as possible, you know, given we are about a month from spring football starting out. And, you know, I know we've now got national signing day, the early and late signing day behind us, but there's always recruiting and transfer portal recruiting going on. So it would be really nice to, to get this wrapped up soon. And if you looked at a tweet from John Ruiz last night, he's kind of maybe making it look like Ruiz already knows who it's going to be. He was asked by a Canes fan on Twitter if he has any news on offensive coordinator, and John Ruiz responded. He, quote, tweeted it by saying, everyone is going to be happy. <laughs> is that even possible with this fan base? Is it even possible to find someone that would make everyone happy? I know who makes everyone happy. Brian Smith, when he joins us, my colleague at allhurricanes.com and covers recruiting and college football all throughout Fan Nation. Brian joins us now. Brian Smith, how you doing, sir? What's going on? How you doing? Not too much. Uh, so, you know, Brian, a, a couple things I'm thinking about uh, today in terms of this offensive coordinator search. Um, you know, th th there seems to be a little bit of renewed buzz for the name Jason Candle. And that's despite the fact that he did recently sign an extension uh, as Toledo's head coach. Um, you know, I, I know Mario Cristobal really likes Candle, who runs the most balanced offense of all time. I mean, it's almost 50-50 run pass with that dude. Uh, and I know Mario likes his style, tried to hire him last year. Maybe he's making a go at Candle again this year. But with him being a head coach at Toledo, that seems to be tough. You know, I, I wonder, there's a couple names we don't bring up enough here on Locked on Canes. Andy Ludwig in Utah. Uh, I think his philosophy matches up with what Mario likes to do. And I kind of wonder about Paul Chris former Wisconsin and Pitt coach. He's not currently working. His offense seems to match up well. Uh, where are you at, Brian, with, you know, with, with who maybe you'd like to see get consideration for this offensive coordinator job? And if there's any names out there you would consider, definitely names to watch for Miami fans. 
Well, Arroyo, who was just recently let go at UNLV, he was the offensive mind with Mario at Oregon. He took the UNLV job and then it went into COVID and he just got terrible timing. He kind of got buzzsawed. But that's the name. I'm not saying I would pick it, that I would watch because they've got history together. They know each other. They had success. Your point about Toledo's head coach is interesting on numerous fronts. One, what would you have to offer a guy to give up the autonomy to be the head coach? Can you imagine what that contract would have to look like? But then again, you know, this in this world, I don't count out anything. He is a very good coach, and that's been a pretty good program in the Mid-American Conference for quite a while. I'd be surprised if he took it, but a balanced guy like that, because, you know, Miami just signed two great running backs, and with the history they have, the O-linemen they're bringing in, running play action and, you know, being a balanced offense like that would be a lot of fun. So that would be really cool. Do you uh, you, you mentioned Marcus Arroyo, who it's it, it's definitely that's a name I've brought up numerous times. Uh, you know, he was with Mario 2018 and 2019 at Oregon. Uh, those two years, they won two Pac-12 titles and they won a Rose Bowl. Uh, it seems like they still have a good relationship to this day and he's out of a job. So, you know, you wouldn't have to pay a buyout or anything for that guy. Um, it, it's it's a name, though, with Arroyo for what it's worth. Um, Oregon fans don't seem to miss the guy too much, but they say the same thing about Mario, you know, on, you know, for you take that for, for what you will. Um, so do, do you think Arroyo, does he check off the boxes for you for someone who could do a nice job at Miami? There, there are good things about him, but I'm just, I have one question and this is just part of life. He's been more of a West coast and mid part of the country guy would he be able to come down to South Florida and recruit? Well, I mean, it's not hard to recruit you. I get that. But what I mean is from living in the state of Florida, I've been here about six and a half years. This state is by far different than any other as it relates to the coaches and specifically the players and their parents on trust. They don't trust very much. He's a guy they don't know. He's not recruited down here much. That would be my only concern. He's, you know, he's a pretty good coach. They wouldn't have won a Rose bowl if he couldn't coach, you know, I mean, he was, he was around some pretty darn good players, a certain quarterback that's doing pretty good. Justin NFL, Herbert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hey, at the end of the day, Herbert's a flat out dude. I mean, he's going to yeah. be in the NFL 15 years. He coached that guy. You got to give yeah. him credit. But my concern is more off the field. And of course I'm a recruiting guy. That's my realm. If he could do that, I think he could be a pretty good hire. My only concern is beyond that is just, how would he, you know, adapt and throw the football? That's something I think Miami needs to do better. Of course, the injuries last year made that almost impossible to see. But Miami must have a much better passing offense. So I'd be curious to hear what he wants to do if he came to Miami. Personally, I'm more concerned with getting the right guy here, no matter who it is, than getting someone in quickly. Right? I, I know that I, I talked 100%. about the I talked about the timetable and maybe having someone by the end of this week, but I, I think it's important uh, to get the right guy here, uh, even if it maybe takes two, three more weeks to do that. But I mean, what would be, um, you know, Brian, obviously, uh, e- even though national signing day has now gone, there's always recruiting happening. You know, there are, there are players in the transfer portal who could commit at any time. And we are a month and two days away from spring football. So is there, is there kind of an ideal time in your mind, where you think Mario would like to have somebody in the building when it comes to preparing for spring and hitting the trail? 
I mean, that's something that no matter when you hire a guy, it can never be fast enough because recruiting is literally 365. That's first off. But you made a great point about spring practice. There's, it's, it's insane how much back work that coaches have to do this time of year because you don't just show up the day before spring ball, throw the book out on the table and say, okay, guys, this is how we're going to do practice tomorrow. That stuff has gone over for a long time. He's already behind whoever it ends up being. I mean, it, it's that's just the way it is. It's very complex. There's a lot of things, and you got to figure out what you want to run. So Mario is up against it, but to your point, it's better to be a little shorthanded in spring as opposed to being shorthanded when it's game day next fall. So sometimes you got to eat it and grit your teeth because making the wrong hire at OC means you're going to be looking at another 500 season, give or take. You, yeah. you, in today's age, you have to be able to score a lot of points, even saving, if you put it in perspective, who hates passing. He's an old school run the ball guy, has adapted to throwing the ball a lot. What's that tell you? Yeah. You know, he's given that up. You have to find a guy that can do that. So whichever person it ends up being, they have to be able to score a bunch of points. If they got to miss some of spring ball and some of the preparation, it is what it is. We'll just sit here and talk about it until we figure it out. We're joined here by Brian Smith, allhurricanes.com and Fan Nation. Uh, he covers college football recruiting, well, high school recruiting, college football recruiting, whatever you want to call it. And we have a lot more we want to talk about because I want to pick Brian's brain. He's someone who talks to so many of these top wide receivers, class of 2024, class of 2025. And I would love to hear that feedback, right? I mean, coming out of the Josh Gaddis era right now, not knowing who the next OC and wide receivers coach are going to be, I would love to know what the wide receiver recruits are saying about Miami's situation. And I'd love to get a little recap on the class of 2023 that's now official for Miami. So, folks, we have a lot coming up on this episode. Don't go anywhere here on Locked on Canes. And, guys, this is the time of year. I hope you are ready with your FanDuel accounts because, man, this is the app that you need at your Super Bowl party. It's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're so excited about this new sports betting partner for Locked On because FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can get you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to win and score a touchdown. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you get your paid your winnings instantly, guys. You don't have to wait around for that. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You guys know I'm going to be all over that before the Super Bowl. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen. Make sure you guys are listening to the Senior Bowl coverage that Locked On has right now. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players are going to be climbing. All in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl. They have another one tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So we are joined here on Locked On Canes 
by Brian Smith, who does a fantastic job covering college football, covering recruiting, allhurricanes.com and Fan Nation. And Brian, I know that uh, you're out there talking to a lot of the top 2024 wide receivers. And, you know, Miami missed on a lot of their 2023 targets. We're hoping 2024 is better for wide receiver recruiting. But I also understand that Miami didn't have much of a passing offense last year. And, you know, you had for a while kind of a lame duck offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach who didn't seem to be out on the trail talking about Josh Gaddis. Now he's been he's been relieved of his duties and we don't currently have a wide receivers coach, Brian. So what sort of feedback are you hearing from 2024 wide receivers as to how their Miami recruitment is going and what they'd like to see out of Miami's next offensive coaches? Well, from a few of the guys I talked to, it does matter, and, and probably more than any other position, because either you like to throw the ball and you're efficient at it, or you're not. Obviously, Miami last year, especially with the injuries, that was just a hodgepodge week to week on what you were going to get out of the passing game. And believe me, some of the off-the-record conversations I had with some very notable players around the state of Florida were not very friendly towards the now former offense coordinator. I'll leave it at that. Um, with the next guy i do know firsthand from a couple of people they're very interested to see who mario cristobal hires mm. and i'm just going to be blunt if he does not hire somebody that they personally perceive as very pass friendly it's going to be another struggle with wide receiver recruiting now mario is known as a run first guy so this this could be a gritting of the teeth kind of situation for him because what i'm saying i'm sure he's well aware of he's, he's an intelligent man so does he kind of transform his offense a little bit? Does he get a newer guy that doesn't have to necessarily be air raid, but somebody that throws it or not? Because I have not talked to a single kid that is high on Miami in terms of what they've done and, and why should they be? Not that they're not interested, but I mean, it is what it is. They were terrible at throwing the ball last year. They're going to have to prove something. And the first way you do that is with who the, the person is that gets hired as the OC. So that decision is going to have a major impact on this next signing day. Hmm. And you know, another thing that, that's interesting about that is like there are potential options out there for wide receivers coach like and, and if I go back to when I threw out the name Jason Candle and again I'm not necessarily expecting Candle to come but if he did come uh, one of the people on his staff at Toledo is Kevin Beard who's a, a former Miami wide receiver and former Miami wide receivers coach he's an excellent recruiter. So I, I would have to wonder if Miami were to get someone like Candle, could he and Kevin Beard be a package deal? I think that's something to look out for. Um, I've thrown out, Brian, in terms of offensive coordinator search in recent days, I've thrown out names like James Coley and T. Martin. And if you can bring somebody like that down here, they don't necessarily have to be the play caller, right? I mean, T. Martin, uh, has, he's currently the wide receivers coach with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, he's obviously an interesting option for Miami because his son plays baseball at Miami uh, and he's an excellent recruiter. And James Coley is another one who's uh, who is very capable of coaching wide receivers and he's a great recruiter. So I wonder if maybe you could bring on somebody like that, even if they're not necessarily the play caller, if you give them the wide receivers coaching job and maybe a co-offensive coordinator tag, you know, to have the title that comes with that. I think there could be some options out there that hopefully would entice some of these wide receivers around the country. I think that's a very viable option. It's something that a lot of staffs do, not only to give them more money by giving them like co-titles, but it's a way for a guy to kind of move up. 
T. Yeah. Martin would be one that's very interesting to me. I mean, I remember him. I saw him play live in college. He was a very good player. And he's went into the coaching ranks. He's been at USC. He's been at his alma mater, Tennessee, et cetera. That would be intriguing. I did not know that he had uh, family at the U. That obviously changes things a bit. And it's not hard, once again, to get somebody to be interested in living in South Florida. So I would be interested to see if they could do something like that. And the guys you just mentioned, both Martin and Coley, can definitely recruit. Uh, Coley's a South Florida native, and he's worked with Cristobal as well. That kind of helps. But that would be an interesting way to do it. Um, You would get two bangs for your buck there because – experienced, proven, you know, coaches, and they can both recruit. That's something that Miami needs to look at, even if it's, you know, Coley, he knows. But if he can find somebody like that, talking about Cristobal, that would really behoove him and the program. They need a proven recruiter and a proven coach. It's got to be a home run hire. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, So when when we come back, Brian Smith and I are going to talk a little bit about the class of 2023, which is now – finalized i mean uh, i don't think miami's getting anyone else and they they did miss on a couple of targets yesterday not that i expected them to get nicholas harbour or jamel howard but both did decide to commit elsewhere not a big surprise it is what it is uh the miami hurricanes have the consensus seventh ranked recruiting class in the class of 2023 and they have at the moment the 11th rated transfer portal class, which that could still change because, you know, there's still some transfer portal targets out there and more players can enter the portal in May. So there still could be more in that top 11 transfer class. So we are going to talk about some of the highlights when we come back. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, So, Brian, now that uh, we're basically done here recruiting for the class of 2023, uh, if you could give a letter grade to this class that Mario Cristobal has brought in, what grade would you give to it and why? I would go with A-, and the reason is it's pretty darn balanced. Usually when – it doesn't have to be Miami. It could be any school – when they have classes like this, it seems to be where one or two positions really carry the water for the class. Well, it's like the article I put on All Hurricanes last night from Emory Williams, who's the quarterback out of Milton up near Pensacola they signed, all the way to the defensive backfield. At every spot, there's somebody you can look at and you watch the film and you say, this young man could play next year. You know what I mean? That's that's hard to do. They got linebackers, DBs, offensive linemen, you know, they got players that could find a way to get on the gridiron next year. And even if that's, you know, special teams primarily, which like linebackers and safeties typically do, tight ends, et cetera, that's fine. Miami has a depth problem, and that really showed in the last four or five games of the 22 season. That's going to be shored up just by these guys coming to campus. They got a lot of size, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. Now it's just who comes in and makes an impact. And I think the running back, the DBs, and then the big couple of big linemen on the offensive side will all play consistently this next fall. Let's talk about the quarterback that Miami brought in, Emory Williams. Um, and, you know, 
Uh, for a time, uh, we thought there were going to be two quarterbacks in the class, and then Jaden Rashada's situation turned into a soap opera. He ends up landing at Arizona State. I, I feel terrible about what happened to him in Gainesville because, you know, promises were obviously not kept there. And I think some of the heat that he and his father get for the way that was covered was unfair when you get promised something and they do not deliver on it the way that they didn't do. Uh, but Emory Williams is the last man standing, and he's, you know, a three star quarterback. Um, I, you know, I, I think he's underrated. I don't know if he's underrated to the point where he should be a four star or not, but I know playing in Milton, Florida, he probably didn't get enough coverage and, and attention as he deserved. Um, what can you tell me from your point of view about Emory Williams, who could be a future starting quarterback at Miami and how do you project him at the college level? To give a, a brief picture of what he's like, think of the Miami quarterbacks, from the 80s and 90s. He's a pocket kid that can move, uh, run waggle, bootleg, make the first guy miss, get out in the flat and throw a pass. Very articulate. He's a kid that's like a 4-0 student. Yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, one of the most respectful recruits I've ever covered in over 20 years of being in the business. Wow. And, uh, he's just a great guy. He's just a great guy. And he's an incredibly hardworking guy. I, was, I saw him at Elite 11 last year in Los Angeles for three days. Uh, I also went up to Milton to see him at a practice and a workout. He just kind of goes about things like a 35-year-old would, not a 17-year-old. And it's very unusual in today's technological age to see that. And he was trying to get other guys, while coaches were standing there, mind you, to do certain things. He kind of takes over leadership. And the head coach at Milton even mentioned that to me off to the side. He's like, I don't really have to do anything with him. He just, he just does it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I mean, you just, I, I talked to a lot of coaches off the record and they'll talk about the physical attributes of their players. Cause usually you walk up, you know, a power five kid, good enough to go to Miami. They stand out physically, but this kid, he talked about him off the field. He talked about his leadership, his practice habits, the way he leads practices. And I'm like, Holy cow. So those are the things you look for. And to be honest, I thought he was just as good a prospect as Rashada although he doesn't have the same sheer arm power that like Rashada has a cannon that doesn't yeah. necessarily project you to being a great college football player though. So I think Emory had the, had the higher floor. Hmm. I just need to see him get bigger physically and learn the system. Uh, you, you will never meet a nicer kid. Though. Great guy. I, I love to hear that. I think every Miami fan is going to love to hear that about Emory Williams. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, you brought up his, uh, the GPA as well. I, I think that's important. And I actually, I love the fact that Miami has uh, 12 uh, all academic ACC selections from last season, which is, uh, that's it, impressive. It, it really is impressive. Right. And, and that, 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 that's nothing to, to turn up your nose at. I know a lot of football fans are like, I don't care about the academics, but I think it's very important. I mean, you you put you fill your team with smart players. Uh, you know, obviously, you want your smart players to also be great athletes, but that's an important factor as well. But a, another incoming class of twenty twenty three player, I wanted to get your take on Brian, and I I know you've you've covered this guy uh, at Jones High School in Orlando because we got a specific request from someone on Twitter yesterday, and, and forgive me, I, I can't remember who was that tweeted it. I don't have it in front of me at this time, but just know. Thank you for the question, because someone was asking me, like, hey, how come you guys don't talk enough about Malik Bryant? 
uh, the linebacker out of Orlando, because, uh, you know, I, I was talking yesterday on the show about how underrated Reuben Bain is, and you can just wind me up and I can talk about that for hours. But uh, I think Malik Bryant may be a little bit underrated as well. Brian, how do you see him fitting at Miami? It's interesting with Malik. I went to see him play against Osceola this year, and he played in a three-man line and played edge, which is typical at the high school level. Anybody that's got any size, they throw him on the line. But I was told specifically that he is going to be an off-the-ball linebacker for the Kings, and he's a guy that's played multiple spots, standing up, rushing the passer, hand down in the dirt, uh, put him in the middle of the, the linebacker core. He's just a really good athlete. And I can tell you from covering recruiting for a very long time that there are not many guys that are more imposing than him. Like walking up to him, you're like, holy cow. I mean, he, he looks like he's 25 years old the way he's physically filled out. I mean, he's, he's physically ready. 230, give or take, and he, he's, he's a thumper. When he hits, you know it. So <laughs> the only thing with him, just like with any linebacker, especially in today's spread era, does he pick up? the playbook and all the, it's an insane amount of playbook stuff you got to do now as a linebacker because they try to get matchups one-on-one with a 180 pound running back. That's what they wanted to do. He has to know all his little, little checks. And that's, that's the difference between who plays and doesn't physically. There's no question. He can do whatever you need him to. So if he figures out the playbook and understands the, the opponent's tendencies, he's going to see a lot of playing time for the U. I love it. Brian Smith, you want to follow him on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida. Check out his work across Fan Nation, including allhurricanes.com. He's a colleague of mine there. Uh, so I, I don't know, Brian, uh, you, you told me you're, you're going to like a seven on seven this weekend. Uh, so I guess you're not getting much of a break, even though National Signing Day has, has come and gone. The grind continues. Well, uh, recruiting is 365. That's just the way it is, brother. So this is actually the busiest time of year for me. Hmm. So a seven on seven tournament or a camp or a practice every single weekend. And I'm actually going to go to a basketball game tonight to scout a kid. That's really good. Um, just to see him on a basketball court. Cause there's nowhere to hide on a basketball court. If you're not an athlete, yeah. you, you will be exposed. So that's, it's part of the life. I enjoy it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty busy. I love it. So make sure you check out Brian's work. Follow him on Twitter. And guys, thank you so much for making us your first listen. Now make sure you make Locked On College Basketball your second listen. Uh, Brand new podcast on this network, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, both really good at what they do. They bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, just like this show, that show is free. So thank you guys so much for taking in some Locked On Canes today. We will be back next time, maybe tomorrow, maybe later today, depending on what happens. Uh, we're obviously we're, we're watching the OC situation as closely as we possible can, as we possibly can. So we will talk to you next time on another Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.